0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Deep State Radio. I am David Rothkopf, your host, and I am here in New York City. We are joined today by Ed Luce in Washington, D.C., Rosa Brooks, also, I think, in Washington, D.C. Nope. 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 Where's Rosa? I
1: I am in Middleburg, Virginia, at the Salamander Resort.
0: Wow. Fancy. What a life you lead.
1: I know. It's exciting. I was telling telling Ed uh, and Sarah, who I know you're about to introduce, that I'm here for a Georgetown law faculty retreat, making it even more exciting.
0: Yeah. I I get the impression that uh, all the great legal minds of Washington are in retreat. But we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, We are joined also by uh, Sarah Kenzior, who is a journalist based in the middle of the country, which is how she was able to write a book called The View from Flyover Country. She is also the host of Gaslit Nation, uh, and uh, that is a title that obviously refers to all of you. Uh, and we'll uh, get to why in a second. And uh, she's also a scholar on authoritarian states, which qualifies her to speak about America today. Um, Sarah, welcome.
2: Oh, Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it couldn't be better time because we are really circling the drain here in the United States. And, uh, you know, I, I actually have a bone to pick with you, which is... A couple of years ago, uh, back in the day when I was uh, editing foreign policy, we were banging, you know, trash cans and trying to make all the noise that we could that Donald Trump was terrible. And every time I wrote something or went on television and said Donald Trump is terrible, everybody would say, "Well, Sarah said that five minutes ago." <laughs> God.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. I I don't know why uh, people do that because I actually think it's great um, when other people are speaking out about such an important issue. I think there is a lot of hesitancy in the media, especially in 2016, to be forthright about the threat that uh, Trump and the people surrounding him post for the United States. Uh, That's still sort of there. Everyone's afraid to sound hysterical, everyone's afraid to get it wrong. Um, But the stakes are very high. So, you know, in my mind, uh, the more people speaking out, the better.
0: Her. Well, you have come to the wrong place, if that's what you think is going on here, because we are never afraid of sounding hysterical. Rosa, <laughs> sound hysterical. Just let her know that you're not afraid of sounding hysterical. Ah! Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Thank that's you. That's like me 24-7, so that's all good, I'm in the right place.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought hysterical was a banned word.
0: A, a banned word? Why yeah. Because it's an ancient it's- reference to the female womb? Indeed. Oh well, that's very woke. You're you're pretty woke. Ed.
3: <laughs> I'm 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 awake. I've I'm, had two espressos. I'm gonna get more espressos as the podcast goes on.
0: Yeah, somebody explain to Ed what woke means. Anyway. Um... Uh, so Sarah, you know, uh, you've been writing about this for a while and you've been predicting that things were going to come off the rails and we've been talking about it, but, uh, it was uh, president's day and on president's day alone, we had the president of the United States accusing his handpicked attorney general and his handpicked, uh, head or deputy attorney general and his handpicked, uh, head of the FBI of, uh, Treason of of plotting a coup, uh, which is kind of extraordinary, but it's Trump, so we took that in stride. We also had the same time his his buddy from the past forty years, his pal Roger Stone, with the. Nixon tattoo on his back uh, sending threatening Instagram messages uh, against a federal judge and then we also had 16 states a third of all the states in the United States file a lawsuit accusing the president of an authoritarian anti-constitutional power grab with his emergency um, uh, 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 declaration regarding uh, building the wall And, and so Sarah, I guess the you know the place I'd like to start is, um, uh, it was just another Monday. Is this a turning point? Do we think things are 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 are, are getting uh, even 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 crazier? But just what was your reaction to all that in one day?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, we've been steadily moving in the direction of autocracy since Trump uh, was elected, and he proclaimed his plans in advance. The kind of tactics that you're seeing now, you know, proclamations that a secret deep state is enacting a coup or a pre-scheduled, staged, and completely fatuous national emergency that allows him to exert even greater um, executive power and abuse it. These are it's, it's like he has a checklist of how to be a dictator, and he's crossing off the items. And I do think, we've reached a turning point. Um, I think the enemy of justice uh, in terms of bringing this administration to justice was always time. And the longer that he's in office, the harder it is to remove him, the more expectations erode, the more he can purge agencies, pack courts, and the less people kind of um, push back against both the rhetoric, uh, which is very much you know like any autocrat, and his, uh, his actions. And so I am worried. I've been worried, especially since the shutdown, um, you know, which was another uh, attempt to consolidate power, another widespread abuse of power. It was unprecedented in American history. Um, And then now we've, of course, moved into the national emergency stage of things. And, you know, there's no bottom here. Um, There's no way that they, you know, in good conscience are going to stop and do what's right for America. It's up to officials to hold them accountable. And unfortunately, uh, I don't see enough of that. I don't see Mueller moving fast enough. And I, I think Congress should be holding impeachment hearings. Um, and I'm concerned about the fact that you know now we do have a Democratic House, uh, and they haven't yet made that step.
0: So, Rosa, that presents us with a concept that I find a little bit hard to get my my brain around, uh, given all the photographic ent- evidence to the contrary. And that is bottomless Trump.
1: <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really going to pursue that, David. Thank you, um, um, but uh, perhaps you
0: might want to pick up on what Sarah was saying.
1: Well, I, you know, I think clearly the the Democrats in the House, the majority of them, obviously not all of them, but have made a have made a uh, tactical decision about impeachment proceedings and feel like they're they're nervous about going forward before there is something definitive from from Mueller. Um, obviously, the as as Sarah suggests, I mean the the risk there is that, you know, nobody really knows when Mueller is going to wrap up his investigations. And despite uh, uh, media reports every couple of months that he's about to wrap up, he seems not to be wrapping up each time. Um, and if it turns out that he, you know, he's still busily investigating away two years from now, then the uh, this at least this Democratic House majority will have completely missed their their opportunity. Um, on the other hand, I, I, I can see the argument for waiting a little bit longer. I, I, I do think that in the environment we're in right now, there is a danger that impeachment proceedings begun prior to the Mueller investigation or or either of the other two major federal investigations that are ongoing, producing some kind of. Additional results could could backfire on the Democrats, and, and that's kind of my biggest fear. You know, Trump obviously has done a great, a great job of laying the ground uh, amongst his supporters for claiming that it's all witch hunts. There's you know that there's it's all the radical left uh, uh, on a witch hunt for him, and and I think that that's the fear that if they go forward and they can't point to something from one of these independent investigations um, that is more. Unequivocal uh, than what we have so far, that they will just end up looking like they're, you know, going after him for partisan reasons. Uh, I think that the problem we have, you know, and this is going to be, I think, a dilemma all the way through, even if Mueller does come out with something, you know, is that while, while as Sarah says, there, if you're a careful follower of what's going on in, in in Trump land and in all these various investigations and in what's coming out publicly. You know, it seems quite clear that Trump has, at a minimum actively obstructed justice uh, and that various family members have committed various crimes. The trouble is that there's no single one big smoking gun. So I think for the majority of americans who who aren't going to put the time into connecting all the dots that you have to connect, uh, it's it's still, you know, vulnerable to to Trump and others on the right saying, Nonsense, there's no there, there, it's all a partisan witch hunt.
0: Well, you know, Ed, you know, as I was watching all this happening yesterday and the ways that we watch all of these things happen, one of the things that I was struck by was uh, relates to what Sarah was talking about, which is Trump saying that there was a coup, the repetition of the idea that the coup was a kind of insurance policy if the election didn't go the right way um uh the the other sort of tropes that they've sort of settled into um are very worrisome because they they could be played out in a variety of ways in the future you could see russian bots and others as we have in the past um a couple of years but really more intensely i've seen them in the past uh, even couple of days uh pick up on those things and use them to create a chunk of people in america that say no matter what happens with trump it's uh, illegitimate. It's a plot. It's a coup. It's unhappy Democrats, and we must fight it and reject it. And this goes to Sarah's authoritarian point. I'm just wondering what your view is. It.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, his language um, is is highly dangerous. I, I think in relation to anything he does and the connection between what he promises with his tweets and his rhetoric and what he might actually be capable of doing, the most important measure we've got right now is what the courts say about the national emergency. Because if this does go up, well, which it inevitably will, to the Supreme Court, and if the Supreme Court does vote 5-4 or 6-3 even to um, uh, to uh, greenlight most of his national emergency, as they did eventually with most of the Muslim ban with which he began his presidency, then um, the sky's the limit. Um, If you can can declare a fake emergency and whip up, conjure up, um, you know, uh, uh, fake reasons for it on the border, uh, then you can apply that in any number of scenarios. You know, imagine, um, you know, turfing up some um, undocumented uh, migrants who voted For example, then you suddenly have a crisis of um, the election being hijacked by illegal immigrants and uh, he could declare a national emergency in defense of American democracy and start posting National Guard at, at, at polling stations and so forth. You could just you can just see the potential there through an enabling Supreme Court green light on this national emergency being put to very nefarious use as Trump approaches a general election that he looks likely to lose. And so that that to me would be that to me is the most worrying area where Trump's uh, I think otherwise shambolic autocratic impulses. I just don't think he has the discipline or the sort of cadre of people to to be a true autocrat. But that's the one area where I truly worry, you know, he could he could get a green light to put in place all kinds of things that would restrict and potentially hijack American democracy.
0: Sarah, I think I recall reading that uh, you had done your doctoral dissertation on Uzbekistan, or or yes, and 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 things are looking increasingly Uzbek in the midst of all of this. You know, very Central Asian. Uh, you know, autocrats, oligarchs, disinformation campaigns. Uh, uh, that, that all, I guess, have led to your podcast being called Gaslit Nation. So, you know, it, it seems that you know one of the the areas triggering sort of a new wave of gaslighting and also of revelations uh, is this McCabe book. Um, Sarah, have you have you read the book or or read any of the excerpts?
2: I've read the excerpts, uh, and I also read the interview with him today that was in the Atlantic with Natasha Bertrand.
0: And you know, one of the things in the Natasha Bertrand. Uh, Uh, interview that struck me, one of the elements of the book is that McCabe talks about going to the gang of eight, the leaders in the Congress and explaining to them what's going on uh, and why there is a suspicion that the president of the United States is a security risk to the United States and that people like McConnell and Ryan and Devin Nunez sat there, didn't challenge it, Uh, Of course, McCabe was worried that with Nunez in the room, he was going to run back and tell it all to Trump. Um, But we do have a kind of a strange situation here, which is, again, akin to what you might have found in Central Asia, which is the party in power is an enabler. It has completely given up any pretense. Of serving the Constitution of the United States or the legal system that it's supposed to be part of, or providing any of the kind of oversight that uh, is 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 their responsibility. And I'm wondering what you re- how you react to these new revelations.
2: Yeah, um, it's very frustrating. You know, you the Republican Party started out basically seeming terrified of Trump or complicit in his behavior. And, you know, there are a few holdouts. You had people like McCain and Graham initially calling for an investigation of Trump in Russia, um, you know, Graham has since done a complete 180, uh, become one of mo- Trump's most faithful lackeys. And what's clear is that it is uh, party above country It is Trump above country. Uh, they're not even bothering to put up the facade of, um, you know, justice or pursuit of democracy and democratic rule as a goal. They want a one party state. Um, and that they're being so overt about it concerns me in, in terms of things like the 2020 elections. Um, they're not bothering to pursue, uh, popular policy proposals. They're engaging in behavior like a uh, disastrous long shutdown or a fake national emergency that they know is uh, chipping away at whatever kind of support they have. And yes, you know, we now know, of course, um, they knew what Trump was up to. But one of the things that bothers me about that McCabe interview is that, you know, McCabe also knew about Trump. We all knew about Trump and Russia in 2016 before he was elected. We knew about people like Manafort for decades. The FBI had been investigating Manafort because of his activity in Ukraine in 2014. The FBI had been investigating and working with people like Felix Sater, who is an informant for them. And so when McCabe comes out and kind of, you know, at one point in that interview, he was asked, um, you know, why did, why did the FBI go forward with, uh, you know, the Hillary Clinton investigation and not the investigation about Trump, um, which is an obviously much more serious national security matter. He claimed that, you know, they didn't know and that the public had very little interest. And in that, was was uh, the most gaslighting moment of that interview to me, because Hillary Clinton had called uh, Trump a Putin puppet on the national stage. Trump had asked Russia for uh, Hillary Clinton's emails at a press conference. It was all in the public domain, and so it's very frustrating. That's been my frustration for the last three years is that so much of this information is in the public domain, um, often admitted by the parties in question. They brag about committing obstruction of justice and nothing is done. There's no accountability. And before, when I was mentioning how, you know, I do think they should do impeachment hearings, it isn't because I think they will actually succeed at impeaching him or convicting him. I don't think they will necessarily lead uh, Trump to leave office, but I do think that it is a formal process of bringing information to the American public that they desperately need and that they've just been getting in little bursts. Uh, I don't think everyone necessarily recognizes the severity of this. It makes it easy for Trump to put out his propaganda. It makes it more likely that people will buy into his theories of a deep state coup and all all this other stuff. People want the facts. And that's true where I live too, like in Missouri, you know, People are fed up with this administration. It doesn't matter if you voted uh, for Trump or for Clinton or, you know, often, as is the case, for no one. People are tired of the chaos. They're tired of not knowing. I, I, I hear from people who voted for Trump, you know, more reluctantly, not the hardcore base, all the time. They just want to know what's going on. And so I think our officials owe us that.
0: Well, we're certainly uh, not getting it from from some officials. In fact, there seems to be a concerted effort to suppress this information uh, and and one, a, a disinformation as well. And one of the other developments in the past 12 hours, Rosa, uh, has been a New York Times story showing that the president of the United States um, has systematically in many, many ways over the past couple of years tried to obstruct justice, uh, 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 slow it down, uh, spin it, uh, you know, have his staff, you know, present things in a different way. But one of the most eye-opening revelations in all of this was that he apparently went to the acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, um, uh, who, you know, looks to be like a sort of a bouncer from a South Florida nightclub, uh, may, you know, maybe not even the first string bouncer, uh, did a terrible job in his testimony. Uh, 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 and he, tr- you know, Trump said to him, could we get the uh, the uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, who Trump had appointed, to unrecuse himself so that he can manage the case against Michael Cohn, the one where Trump is actually implicated of committing a felony in terms of federal uh, uh, campaign finance uh, violations regarding hush money? Um, and this, yet again, seems like that obstruction of justice that you were talking about. Um, And, you know, I, I just wonder, you know, you've been around, you've seen the way the world works. Do you have any sort of confidence that the president of the United States is ever going to be held to account for this pattern of obstruction of justice?
1: Uh, no, I have very little confidence that he will personally be held to account in, in a satisfying way, at least for us.
0: Well, what would I that think... involve for you, Rosie? Oh, know, I think I think for, or... you
1: know. No, no, no. I wouldn't want to stone him. That's ridiculous, David. Yeah. Let's let's not be mean. Um, as I have argued in the past, if I were representing Donald Trump uh, in any legal proceedings, criminal proceedings against him, I would argue diminished capacity on his behalf. Uh, I think uh, uh, an appropriate therapeutic institution for the criminally insane would probably be more appropriate.
0: Good luck Um, proving that he had capacity, but go on. (laughs)
1: Um, But no, I mean, I think each of us, we all probably have our own personal fantasy of various types of satisfying comeuppance uh, on Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think any of them are likely to come true. Uh, I think he will live out the remainder of his life, not behind bars, unfortunately, Um, odds are at least. Um, uh, I think that the... The only satisfaction that we are likely to get, um, I think there are several forms of, of satisfaction which we're likely to get um, in, I'm, I don't know what order of likelihood they're in. Um, one, I do think it remains quite likely that some of those nearest and dearest to Donald Trump will be indicted, um, including Don Jr., perhaps Jared Kushner, uh, and then who knows about Ivanka and and Eric. Um, I also think that at the moment, it looks like he will be uh, sent packing in 2020, uh, which would certainly be nice, although I, I think, you know, I don't want to count on anything. And I also you're, think you're that...
0: Getting out, you're getting out your Bernie button again there, Rosa. <laughs> uh,
1: I also think that, um, you know, he he will be judged by history and he will be judged to be pretty much perhaps the most corrupt and incompetent American president in in all of history. And that's about the best we can hope for in terms of accountability if he doesn't wreck the country, in which case we might even not even have any u s. history books anymore. Well,
0: it seems like you know things just keep humming along even with the you know the 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 things we're talking about here. Ed one of the things that's also been in the news today is that there is a congressional report that says that the, the the whistleblowers are accusing the white house of trying to rush through against objections the passage of uh uh, uh uh very sensitive nuclear technologies to the saudis uh with whom of course trump has close relations and and who will be the subject of house investigations in the months ahead because of those close investigations, and, and 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 that's you know another thing that I think must be worrying to the average person, and that is, for now, everything just keeps going. You know, we talked about on a, on a past podcast. You know, uh, uh, Paul Manafort was hired by Deripaska to get sanctions relief. Paul Manafort Manafort got thrown in the can, but the sanctions relief went through. Um, And, you know, you know, all these things happen. And now, you know, this Michael Flynn helped engineer this deal with Robert McFarlane, previously the most discredited national security adviser in American history. The two of them got together in this kind of um, partnership of the worst national security advisers in history, put together a deal. Flynn gets, you know, tossed out and gets uh uh, uh uh found guilty for lying to the FBI pleads guilty for lying to the FBI um and nonetheless the it all keeps going like nothing can stop the crime from happening
3: uh it that's um that's certainly the impression um one gets although i'm not sure Manafort. Or, or Flynn, you know, facing um, relatively, well, in, in Manafort's case, very lengthy jail sentences would agree. Um, the, you know, the difference, and we've talked about this before, between the um, the crooks around Trump um, and the way Washington, uh, and the way the swamp normally does business, is the incompetence of, of the people around, uh, around Trump. Now, there's clearly Separate and over above that, the whole sort of collusion investigation. We're just leaving that side aside for um, for a second. The view, I think, of the average punter um, outside of the beltway um, is it's not as detailed and it's not as blow by blow as the kinds of conversations we have on on this podcast i think there is a sort of general curse on washington view and a lot of americans if opinion polls are to be believed and my own sort of relatively restricted anecdotal evidence um, has any value a lot of americans sort of just go hazy about all this detail and think that basically the whole town is a swamp and they're not entirely wrong Um, As I say, I think that uh, that those around Trump are um, a whole different level of bad and a whole different level of um, corrupted. Um, um, But I think by and large, they've distinguished themselves by their incompetence and just how amateur they are. I mean, Manafort was just sort of in broad daylight flouting every possible um, regulation and tax law, and lying to FBI, and so forth. You don't normally get this level of sort of cartoonish incompetence. Whether the American people care much about that is another question. Uh, and I have to say, I think the jury, I think the jury is out on whether they do. We need, we need the Mueller investigation to uh, come up with something very, very stark. Uh, in terms of proving collusion um, over and above all the obstruction and collusion we've seen already and that those who are following this blow by blow um, are prepared to accept is, is absolutely clear. We need something far starker, along the lines of the Nixon tapes to, I think, um, shift public opinion decisively.
0: Well, I know what my reaction to that is, um, Sarah, and that is no, 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 no. We don't need the Mueller investigation. We can't rely exclusively on the Mueller investigation. The parameters of the Mueller investigation are somewhat narrow. Mueller may, in fact, come up with a smoking gun. But first of all, there's a ton of evidence out there that should be motivating us to take action now. There's the And then there's seven, 16 other investigations going on. Uh, But that's just my view. What do you think?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. This is all out in the public. Um, you know, I don't completely trust the Mueller investigation in part because I think that it's too slow, but also in part because it's greatly flawed. You can look at what happened with Flynn, uh, where the judge wanted you know, him to be sentenced, thought he was treasonous, thought he was an enormous danger, you know, because he's a foreign agent. He was working for Russia and Turkey. He was trying to illegally sell nuclear material. He lied to the FBI. He was trying to abduct a Turkish cleric, on and on and on and on and on. And instead of, you know, protecting the public from him and protecting national security, Mueller kind of gives him a slap on the wrist and Flynn ends up showing up where I live in St. Louis to go and hang out with a bunch of right-wing nut jobs, you know, at a convention held by gateway pundit attended by Joe Arpaio. Now, is that really a good idea, you know, to let this guy who's like a straight out, you know, treasonous lunatic just run around with classified information all over the place. Cause you know, as, as you pointed out, the crimes, continue to go on, and they go on because no one stops them. No one really gave a gag order on Roger Stone. What does Roger Stone do? He goes and threatens the judge. Now, the American public might not know every little tiny detail of everything that Trump and his gang of goons has done, but they know enough to know that this is another case of a bunch of really rich, really connected guys getting away with stuff that anybody else would not get away with because of their wealth, because of their networks of power. And they're disgusted by that. You know, people want information. They also want justice and they want protection. They want to make sure that these guys aren't able to hurt people. You know, keep in mind, we have all these other humanitarian concerns. We have what's going on at the Texas border with children being taken away from parents. We have attacks on, you know, our social safety net. We have shutdowns that, that make life extremely unpredictable, um you know, and, and tenuous for a lot of people. You know, most people are barely holding on this is so beyond partisanship you know this is about suffering it's about sovereignty it's about the future of our country and so i think you know the time to act is now and even if what you're doing is just bringing that information forward and telling folks you know this is what your government is doing um and they need to be accountable they are working for you i think you know that's a message that everyone uh should be trying to drive home i you know there's a really
0: important point there be i mean there were many important points there. I don't want to diminish the what you said. But one of the points that often gets lost in this is that we watch crazy after crazy, after crazy development and 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 crime after crime after crime. Uh, and it it sort of absorbs all the bandwidth that the news media have and and that most of us have. And quietly in the background, um, you've got, Inequality growing for 40 years in the United States, but now at the this incredibly fast pace, a tax bill that cost a trillion dollars, uh, which benefited the 1% and average people seeing their tax uh, uh, taxes go up in 2019, which is coming as a shock to a bunch of them, uh, uh, infrastructure crumbling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the regulations are being wiped away. Without, you know, I mean, we're not even paying attention to that. I mean, there's another scandal that started brewing today about uh, whistleblowers in the Department of Education trying to stop Betsy DeVos from doing something bad with regard to education. They couldn't stop. So, this is not only crime upon crime upon crime, but it's a distraction from the kind of serial. Uh, uh, uh ripoffs that are taking place on, on the part of the GOP and the 1% that they serve uh, against everybody else in the country. Uh, uh, Rosa, uh, you're a trained professional legal mind um, and uh, we have recently uh, you know had another readout from one of your colleagues, uh, Rudy Giuliani, who said, The McCabe interview demonstrates once again that the genesis of the comey Mueller investigation never had even a shred of evidence of real Donald Trump involvement in collusion. It was then and is now the playing out of Peter Strzok's insurance policy to remove our president.
1: Yeah, they're so obsessed with with poor Peter Struck.
0: <laughs> well, I had no idea that Peter Struck <laughs> was so powerful. I mean, this, no, he's the did. mastermind. I mean, the Democrats think it was Putin, and the Republicans right. think it was Peter Struck.
1: There's all this this one mid-level guy at the FBI. No, I, I, I mean, I think on on the contrary, the the McCabe book. Uh, you know, adds yet another brick to the wall, uh, suggesting that there there was something very, very wrong with Donald Trump and with his campaigns, contacts with Russian interests. I just uh, I just
0: wanna stop you there for a second. Sarah, do you have any idea what put another brick in the wall as a reference to?
1: <laughs> what, like the King
2: Floyd song?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good. I just David's
2: wanted to, just to, just wanted to make generation. sure
0: that Everybody was in on the, in on the,
2: I think I'm a lot uh, older than you think. (laughs) Uh,
0: No, I, I, no, I, I, frankly, I just didn't know who relates to the, to the Pink Floyd. (laughs) I just didn't know how far back that went. Um, anyway, Rosa, back to another brick in the wall.
1: Another brick in the wall. Yes. Um, um, yeah. I mean, Peter Strzok's got nothing to do with anything. He's he's a random FBI. You know, there are people in the FBI who, who dislike Trump personally and wouldn't vote for him in a million years. There are people in the FBI who like him and would vote for him. Uh, my own view is that the uh, overwhelming majority of people in the FBI are, are grown-up professionals able to separate their personal preferences from their view of the evidence, uh, uh, and you know it's 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 a it's a shame, right? I mean, <laughs> Peter Strzok was having an affair, you know, he and his uh, the woman he was having an affair with exchanged various dumb text messages, but uh, you know, he was not the prime mover or even a particularly influential player in the decision to launch the investigation, the Mueller investigation in the first place. He was a relatively minor player in all of this. um and uh. You know, it's it's very hard, I think, for Giuliani to argue otherwise credibly. I think the, the irony here, and this is the other sort of intriguing Giuliani uh, argument, um, appears to be that Trump can't be obstructing justice um, or committing any other crimes or have committed any other crimes because he's so blatantly obvious and blatant about absolutely everything he does that, uh, by definition, there can't be anything underhanded about it. Which, which is a a curious argument, legally flawed, but unfortunately, I think from a public relations perspective, uh, Giuliani may be right that that is how the majority of of those Americans who aren't paying enough attention, who don't already hate Trump, uh, might react to it. I mean, I, I it's it's not clear to me that there is anything that could shake Trump's base. Frankly, um, we've seen so many things that I think we've thought. Uh, oh, surely now they'll see. Uh, and none of them have appeared to shake anybody in his in his space. Um, so I, I can't imagine what it would be at this point.
0: So, Ed, I, I want to sort of give this, go back to what I was saying earlier and sort of give this the financial Times spin that you're looking for, really, for your next column. Um, and that is, you know, we have all sorts of theories of this case, and it's, you know, uh, Putin had a master plan and it you know it had to do with both Brexit and Trump and uh, rising nationalism across Europe and he wanted to weaken the Western alliance and he was doing what he could to put his thumb on the scale. Um, uh, and Trump was in on it or he wasn't in on it or he was trying to take advantage of it. And, and we get all caught up on that side of it. But really the thing that has made all of this possible is that the Republican Party in the United States has decided they don't care. They go to that Gang of Eight meeting, they don't care. Why don't they care? Because Paul Ryan wanted a tax cut, because um, Mitch McConnell wanted a bunch of Uh, uh, regulatory cuts for big business, and he wanted a bunch of judges. Uh, He wanted judges that were not only going to sort of advance the the traditional conservative line, but essentially what these judges do most of the time is provide rulings that are beneficial to powerful interests in the United States. And so I would argue that essentially what what has really happened here is that the power leadership of the Republican Party has said, we don't care how we get the power, we will um, embrace even our enemy effectively taking over much of the apparatus of our democracy so long as we get paid, so long as the rich get paid, so long as we can keep the joyride of inequality for the 100 percent going. Um, Now, I know that sounds Bernie-esque, but it also sounds to me like the truth, and I'm wondering what you think. Uh,
3: I think that the Republican Party is um, um, a hopelessly corrupted party, and it it poses Mm -hmm. the biggest danger um, to American democracy, and it did before Trump became president. It's um, submission, it's total capitulation to Trump. Um, it, it takes it to sort of further level down in in um, Dante's Inferno. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's there are only da-
0: nine there are only nine rings of hell in Dante's Inferno. Well, have it's, to it's, it's it sort time. of um,
3: you know um, it's moving from the eighth to the ninth, um, uh, and you know, and, and I don't and I don't think that. I don't think it's going to pass the test on the national emergency, although, you know, other than um, other than the uh, voting through sanctions on Russia, which they did do um, against Trump's wishes. Um, most Republican senators did. Other than that, um, you know, it's the only the only area where there's been some signs of pushback from some individual senators. I, I doubt very much that it's going to result in um, uh, a unified pushback because Mitch McConnell has already has already capitulated. Um, so the Republican Party continues to be this sort of decomposing, sort of uh, morally um, vacuumed shell of, of its former self, and I don't think that's going to uh, change. Um, you know, in terms of um, putting a spin on this, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I'm putting a spin when I say I think that strategically and tactically, Nancy Pelosi is absolutely right to um, be moving ahead with. Pushing um, an agenda, as well as full investigations of the Trump administration and its manifold conflicts of interest, um, but also pushing a positive agenda about protecting American democracy—you know—about mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, middle-class economic issues. Um, rather than, you know, uh, going for the siren song right now of impeachment. And I think and I think it would be an insi- a, a siren song right now. Uh, it might well be something that rebounded against Democrats and it might well be something that Trump could use to bolster his theory uh, of, uh, of the case in terms of there being a deep state and the swamps always going to win and, and, and use that as a springboard for his reelection campaign. So I would rather let the many pieces of America's you know uh, multifarious system, um, including the many investigations into Trump um, and including the legal system uh, in terms of the national emergency, continue to do its work and watch the Democratic Party attempt to establish a positive case. Not just that we're not Trump and Trump's a crook, but a positive case for what they would do um, if they regained the White House next year.
0: Okay, Sarah, the last word is going to go to you. We're we have to end here. I know you have to go off and do whatever it is people do in St. Louis when the when it gets dark. I don't. Do what, do, what do people do? Do you just shelter in place? I mean.
2: Oh, yeah, people do a lot of interesting stuff. Think it gets dark, but, you know, I'm a a mom, so I'm just uh, here, you know, trying to tell if it's fireworks or gunfire, so,
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, um, I I think that's what we're all doing. I think that's been the whole purpose of this episode. But but respond to what Ed said as the last word here. I mean, he's essentially saying Nancy Pelosi's ride should focus on, uh, uh, you know, a positive agenda, let the investigations take their course, let the elections take their course, um, uh, but not be mesmerized by this because there's a lot of work to be done. But I'm just wondering what your view is.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think y'all sound very frightened of the Trump base. Um, And, uh, you know, being in a state that Trump won, you know, handily, the Trump base is small. You know, the Trump base does things like there's a guy I know, like in Cape Girardeau who's got a tank. I mean, they're they're doing some things that are alarming. But in terms of his supporters, like I make a distinction between the voters and the base. And I think pandering to a bunch of violent extremists that might back up Trump no matter what because we're afraid of them is a very unwise idea. And yes, we definitely need a positive message um, you know, from the Democratic or, you know, if they come back to earth, the Republicans. We need economic concerns to be examined because that is what government is supposed to do. Government is supposed to work for the people. And the fact that we've thought of this as optional uh, is damning in and of itself. But I think it will be impossible uh, for the government to act in any kind of beneficial way to the American public unless crime and corruption is rooted out. This is a a transnational crime syndicate masquerading as a government. And it is impossible for life to just sort of go on, um, you know, as normal, unless this is handled legally and unless it's handled uh, officially. And I think the more that folks are aware of how deep this goes and how a lot of their everyday problems, especially economically, are linked uh, to this abuse of power, this corruption, this domination of um, plutocracy and crime, they they will want that out. You know, people want a shot at life. They want opportunity. They want the chaos to stop. They want things to be turned around. Ironically, you know most people I met who vote for who voted for Trump here in Missouri or in southern Illinois. they voted for him because they wanted stability. They saw him as a strong man figure who might actually be able to to fix things to quote drain the swamp. They know that that's not the case. And yeah, there'll be holdouts, but that's that's not who uh, anyone should be pandering to.
0: Folks, that's why we're so glad that Sarah Kenzie could join us on this episode, because she's right about everything. Uh, she also says it with crystal clear clarity, and that is something that we need in moments like this. I encourage everybody who is listening to Deep State Radio to go and listen to Gaslit Nation. Don't leave Deep State Radio. Don't just abandon us because she's so smart. We're smart sometimes, too. You know, but you could listen to both. It's a long week and there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Uh, And uh, Sarah and Gaslit Nation are really, really essential voices in all of this. So there are tens of thousands uh, 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 of folks. Um, in uh, uh, in our listenership, and I, and I hope they join yours. So thank you, Sarah, and hopefully you'll come back sometime. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Rosa. Everybody who wants more of this stuff should go to deepstateradionetwork.com, listen to our other podcasts, which are doing interesting things, and join us again on our next podcast where we leave the world of Trump and actually open up the Aperture and talk about what's going on in the rest of the world. Uh, In any event, thank you very much, uh, 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 all of you, and uh, we'll uh, be with you again sometime very soon. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions, and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.